Say everybody amen. Everybody say amen. amen. There you go. Good. Uh, it's good to see you. We were, Lisa and I were gone last week, as most of you know. We were uh, uh, on a little mini vacation, and, um, but we were worshiping with y'all online, which is why I know that my friend Ben Blanchard threw me under the bus last week and told y'all that I was watching a Hallmark Christmas movies. I kind of enjoyed it. I'm a little embarrassed to say that. Phil wanted to see my, my man card because of uh, the fact that I was watching Hallmark Christmas movies all weekend. Uh, and yes, there were more than one. And I discovered that every Hallmark Christmas movie that was ever made has the same plot line. Did you all know that? Has a very, it may have a different storyline, but they, have the, they all have the same plot line. There's two lovelorn people, right? And through some ma Christmas magic, they get together and they start to fall in love. And then something dastardly happens, right? And then that same Christmas magic brings them together and they end up having the best Christmas ever. How'd I do? Pretty good? Thank you very much. So, it made me wonder, knowing after about the 15th one, it made me wonder, why was I continuing to watch these movies if I knew what was going to happen? if they were so predictable. And then it hit me. I thought, you know what? There is no better way to um, celebrate the Christmas season, especially after the year that we've had, than to, uh, with all the curveballs that have been thrown our way, want, you know, whether it was the derecho or the pandemic or whatever, what better way to celebrate the beginning of the Christmas season but through the predictability of that beautiful story of Christmas. But what if I were to tell you that in all actuality, the Christmas story, there are more curveballs in the Christmas story than you can imagine. Now, we don't perceive them that way um, because we know the story so well, everything seems predictable to us. But the fact of the matter is that if we had been the ones living the Christmas story, we would have been surprised and caught off guard constantly. And that's what I want you guys to think about this Christmas season with me. I want you to think about, I want us to remember all the curveballs of Christmas. But in all actuality, I'm not that interested in the curveball themselves. What I'm really interested in, what I, what I hope that you'll be able to glean from the Christmas story is how the people in the story chose to deal with the curveballs, with the unpredictability of their, of their lives when it came. Because here's the deal. If there was ever a year that we could um, learn a few lessons about how to deal with curveballs, this would be the year. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, and as you're doing that, I will, um, I'll give you, I'm going to set the stage a little bit so you can better appreciate what I believe God wants to teach us today. I want you to know that uh, over the years, uh, I have spent more time with prospective brides than I ever dreamed possible. And what I've discovered over those years is that all these brides are different, but they have many things in common. For example... Most uh, of these prospective brides, not all of them, but most of them have been dreaming ever since they were little girls about what their wedding day and their subsequent marriage was going to be like. Guys don't do that. Boys don't do that. 
I'm just, most of us do not do that. Girls, most of them do. Now, there's another thing that I've noticed about these prospective brides. Most of them, because they've been dreaming about what their wedding day and their marriage was going to be like ever since they were little girls, most of them, as they're preparing for their big day, hate when curveballs come their way. They hate it. And usually, because I'm in the middle of the planning, I catch a lot of the blowback, all right? Well, I want you to keep that in mind when we, as we enter into the life of a prospective bride named Mary. Imagine what she must have been feeling when this happened, when this first curveball was thrown at her. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, what does it say? It says that one day, the angel Gabriel appeared to a prospective bride, to a woman that had been betrothed or who was engaged to a man named Joseph. So this angel appears to her out of nowhere. Now, if that wasn't a big enough curveball in the first place, then listen to what the angel had to say to her. He said, hey, guess what's going to happen? Verse 31. He says, you're going to conceive and have a little baby boy, and you're going to name his name Jesus. Now stop right there for just a second, and again, imagine what's going on in this prospective bride's mind. She's saying, wait, wait, wait. What did you just say? And how did you get in here? Oh, that's right, you're an angel, right? I, I want to talk to you about that in just a minute, but there's more pressing things that we need to talk about right now. You, did you just say that I'm going to conceive and have a baby and call his name Jesus? And the angel says, yeah, that's what I said. And she says, you, you need to know that that is not the way I imagined this. Because Joe and I, we were going to get married. And we were going to live together and just kind of get used to each other for a little while. And then we'd have a family. We, by the way, how in the world am I going to conceive and have a baby and name him his name Jesus if I'm a virgin? And we won't go into the details of that. You understand what the implications are, right? And he says, well, here comes the biggest curveball of all, right? He says, well, this is how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and that baby that you're going to conceive is the Son of God. Whoa. You think you went through a lot this year? I think we can all agree that the curveballs that Mary was thrown just in that one experience is more profound than what we've experienced this whole year. Can't we all agree on that? Somebody say amen to it. I think we can agree. So I want to step back. I want to stop right there for just a second. Step back and look at this, at this whole experience just a little bit to see and to pay close attention to how Mary chose to respond to her curveballs. First question I would ask you, did she or was she surprised by what happened, by the curveballs? Absolutely, she absolutely was surprised by, she said, what are you talking about, right? She had questions. And even when she got answers to her questions, she was still confused. She had to have been confused. 
Because how could a person understand the magnitude of what the angel was proclaiming to her in, in just that she couldn't have understood it? She had to have been confused even after getting the answers. It, it, there had to be more and more questions that the answers themselves produced in her own mind. Yet look how she ultimately chose to respond, even in the midst of her confusion, even in the midst of the, what seemed crazy to her. In verse 38, look how she chose to respond. In verse 38, she says this. She says, I am the servant of the Lord. May your words be fulfilled in me. Now, I don't know if she said it that calmly or not, but that's what she said. She said, after, after all this, she goes, you know what? I am the servant of the Lord. May your words be fulfilled in me. Hmm. Okay. Now let's take that story and spin it into 2020. Okay. Worldwide pandemic, deratio, racial unrest, a presidential election that is still in doubt to some degree. It's just all crazy. And I, I haven't even touched on the stuff that, that you all have experienced yourselves personally. Just you. It's been a crazy year. Curveball after curveball. You might ask the question, especially in light of the story, the Christmas story, the beginning of the Christmas story here, right? You might ask the question, does, are you implying, Craig, that, that um, God it was the cause of all this? That God's the one that threw these curveballs? Well, to be quite honest with you, I don't know. I haven't had an angel appear to me and say, thus saith the Lord. I don't know if y'all have that said this is, this is all from God. It's possible that all these experiences that we've experienced this year in 2020 are from God, but it's just as possible that these experiences that we're experiencing is because we live in a lost, broken, and dark world. And stuff happens. I don't know. But what I do know is this. None of these curveballs came as a surprise to God. I know that. And I also know this. Romans 8.28 says, all things, pandemics, deratios, racial unrest, um, political craziness, all things in the hands of God work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Did you hear that? We've talked about this a lot this year. I know those things are true. And what God is asking of us when we face our curveballs is to react the same way Mary reacted when she faced hers. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you remember what that says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He shall make straight your path. He was basically saying to Mary and he's saying to us, he was saying, trust me, I got this. 
I know it feels like everything is out of control, but it's not out of control. I got this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I know you don't get it. I understand that this, the magnitude of the stuff that you're going through right now is be, you can't imagine. How is this going to work out? I don't get it. God is saying, I know you don't get it. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge me. And I will make straight your path. The same thing he was asking of Mary, he's asking of you. Trust me, I got this. Especially in those moments when you feel overwhelmed and the anxiety is, is pulling at your, your chest. And Remember, what God is asking of us is the same thing he was asking of Mary. I bet you didn't think um, that what was happening this year had anything to do with the Christmas story. But in all reality, if, when you start looking at the Christmas story for, with a different set of eyes, you begin to realize that everything that you've went through this year has everything to do with the Christmas story. And by the way, I'm not just talking about the curveballs. I'm talking about life and hope. You have hope today because of the Christmas story, right? Some of you have experienced death of loved ones this, this year. You have hope today because of the Christmas story. You may not understand how it's all going to work out and how you're ever going to be able to feel better, but you have hope today because of the Christmas story. You're, some of you are experiencing um, sickness in yourself or in your family, and you're thinking, I don't get how any of this is going to work out. You have hope today because of the Christmas story. Your marriage is falling apart, and you can't figure out any, you can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You have hope today because of the Christmas story. Because God had a plan. And it started in the most unusual way. As an angel coming to a little teenage mom, prospective mom, soon-to-be mom, and saying, you're going to have a baby. What? And it's going to be God's son. What? This isn't how I planned it. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And God said, oh, yes, it is. You just got to trust me. Now, I know that's not easy to trust God in the midst of all the chaos and the stuff. But can you imagine how easy it was for a teenage prospective bride? And what was her answer? I am your servant, Lord. May your will be done in me. Today we're going to receive um, communion together. And as we share in this um, sacrament of communion, um, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus and remember that you have hope today because of the Christmas story. I want you to remember that we are called in the midst of all the curveballs of our lives to respond like Mary did and say, I trust you, Jesus.
I trust in the plan. I trust that you got this. And because of that, it's all good. So it was 2,000 years ago. You've heard this story how many times? I don't even know. 2,000 years ago, and Jesus now has grown, right? He's become a man. He's lived his, his, he's 33 years old. He's fulfilled his earthly, earthly ministry for the most part. They have gathered together, uh, he and his disciples, in an upper room in Jerusalem, the Bible tells us. And as they uh, gather, Jesus begins to um, lead them through what is known as the Seder meal. The Seder meal was a part of um, a week-long celebration called the Passover. And ultimately, it was, a, it was a secular as well as a religious holiday this whole week was. It's kind of like Christmas season in a lot of ways for us. Um, there were different parts that happened at different times. But the Seder meal had a very specific purpose, a time of remembering. It was a meal, but it was also a time for them to remember what God had done, what God was doing, and what God was going to do, which is very important. Because they were in a particular time in their lives when it didn't feel like any of that was making a difference. But Jesus was about to show them that it was. Anyway, he... Um, He's, leading, he's beginning to lead them through this Seder meal and helping them to remember. When he takes the bread that is there as part of the Seder meal, he lifts it to God, he blesses it, he gives thanks to God for the bread, and then he breaks it. And then he turns to his friends and he says, Now, take and eat, for this is my body. He didn't say that this represents my body. He didn't say that it's a symbol. He said, it's my body. Now, take that for what it's will, but that's what he said. Every time you eat from the bread, remember that you are the body of Christ. And I think that one of the reasons why he said that this is my body is because he wanted us, every time we ate from the bread, to remember that we are the body of Christ. That the hope and the light that this very dark world needs is the light of Christ, is the body of Christ, and you are that. You are that hope, even in the midst of your brokenness. You are the body of Christ. Remember that. It's a big deal. After the meal, he took the cup, he lifted it to God, he blessed it, and then he turned to his friends and he said, now take and drink, for this is the cup of a new covenant. My blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the middle of that because he needed to remind them that the reason why he could call them as a bunch of broken, sinful people to be his body to the world that needed the hope of the, of the gospel so desperately, the reason why he could do that is because they were about to be washed in the blood of the Lamb that God was about to, to with it, by, the, by His grace, He was about to wash them in the blood of the Lamb so that they would be pure and white as snow. Not because they were, but because He was. And He was equipping them to be His body, to be the church and the world. So every time you drink from the cup, you're supposed to remember, right? You're supposed to remember that you are forgiven and that when God looks at you, He doesn't see your brokenness and your sin. He sees this beautiful 
child that has been created to be light to the world as you allow Jesus to shine through. Remember. Is there a Everybody should have gotten one of these little handy-dandy cups, and you'll notice on the very top there is one thin layer of uh, cellophane. If you, if you pull that back, you'll find a little wafer there on the top. I want you to take it out and lift it up in the air with me like this when you got it, just so I know we're all good. Friends, this is the body of Christ. Remember. Next, if you will peel back that second layer, you should get into the juice there. When you've peeled that back, be careful, but lift it up in the air just a little bit so I can see that you've got it. The blood of Christ shed for you. Remember. Let us pray. Lord, on this first Sunday of December, as we prepare for Christmas 2020, we've never needed the hope of the gospel more than we need it today. Our life just seems like one curveball after another sometimes, and, and the fact of the matter is, Lord, we haven't responded. I haven't responded well always in the face of these curveballs. I pray, Jesus, that you'll help me, that you'll help us to remember that um, as we live through this Christmas season and into next year, because the truth of the matter is, I don't think we've experienced our last curveball just yet, so that when they come again, when the next one is thrown our way, we will remember to trust you that we will remember not to lean on our own understanding, but we will believe that you got this and that you have called us to share that hope with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I just closed my eyes and look, children appeared. <laughs> amen. All right, Jess, would you want to lead us? So I was listening to you all this morning, and a few weeks ago I discovered you guys are really great clappers, but this morning I discovered and have already discovered that you are awesome singers, and so I would love to hear your beautiful voices this morning. So as we stand and sing about the birth of our Lord and Savior, we're going to do so just with the sound of our own voices and a little bit of guitar. If that's okay with you, would you please stand, join us in singing, Way in a Manger. Away in a manger. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the 
before we close today, that again, immediately following the service, if you're able to, to stay, and if you're not, we're going to take a few minutes to let people leave that need to leave, but uh, our, we have our quarterly conference right after the service today, so if you're able to stay, we'd love you to too, and for those of you that are uh, watching online, the video will remain on, so that if you want to be a part of that, you'll be able to stay with us and, and be a part of that meeting too, okay? So, and now may... The God who is not caught off guard by any curveball be the God that calls us out into the world to share hope and truth and light to a world that needs all those things desperately. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. If you're able to stay, just go ahead and take a seat. If you're not, thanks for coming.